Welcome to the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome with Melissa Kirscher and Wendy Bowlesby. Dear listeners, to Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. I am Melissa, and this is my co-host Wendy. Hello. <laughs> recording all the way down in Austin. Well, I am up in Minneapolis. <laughs> we are recording through the wonders of Skype. <laughs> we'll see how Yay! that works. Uh, Skype. We are joined in a continuation of last week's episode by our super special guest star, Noel. Hello. Yay! So we started last week talking about Nicolas Cage, and we, you know, we're going to, you know, keep it under control and just do, like, one episode about Nicolas Cage. You can't have me on without the word continuation being No! No! It just happens that we went (laughs) and uh, did a whole other episode. So here's the continuation of that. Enjoy. All right. I'm up. Yes, you are up. I am choosing Kick-Ass. All right. Because somebody's got to, because God damn it, Nicolas Cage is fucking brilliant in this movie. He's just, God damn it, he's awesome. Speaking of Adam West. <laughs> exactly. Yes. yes. Exactly. So kick ass. Little chum. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so tipsy. Anyway, um, I've got this bottle of wine and I don't have a Melissa actually physically present to help me with it. <laughs> Okay, so um, those of you who haven't seen it, Kick-Ass, I think it, I think it's on Netflix right now, actually. It might be. Wait. Maybe. I don't know. Did it, it pop it, up on my... It comes and goes. It comes and goes. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. It's not currently on the Nicolas Cage list on, on Netflix, but... It's not on the Nicolas Cage channel. <laughs> <laughs> who doesn't want a Nicolas Cage channel? I would I'm watch a, that 24-7. I just, I just wanted to enter the cage.com. <laughs> and all it Which is cage is just... do you want to unlock now? <laughs> no, all it is all it is is you go to that URL and it's just this ongoing, never-ending GIF of Nicolas Cage screaming. <laughs> yes, yes, and walking away from explosions slowly. Well, it's like that that scene in The Rock where and him a dove and, flies by, where him yes. and him and Sean Connery are locked up in all the cages, and I'm saying all those empty cages are the films he just hasn't made yet. <laughs> bravo bravo nice no, bravo. nice all right so kick ass anybody who hasn't seen it the basic uh nicholas cage is a supporting character the main character mm-hmm. he's a young man who wants to be a superhero he tries to help somebody and ends up getting dra- getting getting disabled basically to the point where he's got nerve damage and a, a steel reinforced skeleton which means um he can now actually be a superhero <laughs> because he doesn't feel pain and his bones don't break. So um, there's all this whole subplot of him maybe being gay and attracting the girl of his dreams and then blah, blah, blah. But the real reason you want to watch this is because Nicolas Cage shows up as Big Daddy, <laughs> who is a Batman ripoff. Mm-hmm. And he he bases his performance off of 1960s era 
Adam West. I mm-hmm. mean, he copies the cadences of how he speaks. And one of the trivia facts I found is that he really fucking hated how um, Christian Bale was doing his gravelly voice thing. He was just like, fuck that shit. I'm going to do something else. <laughs> but what I love is that as a civilian, he's Mr. Rogers. Yeah. Yes. And as, as Big Daddy, he's Adam West. Mm-hmm. Yes. And his disguise is to take the mustache he's got and make it bigger. <laughs> Yes, yes, with the mutton. Yeah. And I I love how he interacts with Head Girl, who is his young daughter and is, uh, who, so who kicks ass. He's but- an ex cop who was framed by the mob boss. So the mob boss becomes the big bad that everybody converges upon. But that's not really why you're watching this film. The reason you're watching this film is the young man playing kick-ass is charming. And the mob boss's son is like, oh, I can lure them into a trap by becoming a vigilante hero myself and becoming friends with them and luring them into a trap. And that is Christopher Mintz Plas. And he's delightful. There's so much great stuff that happens there. (laughs) And then um, the young man who plays kick-ass encounters Big Daddy and Hit Girl when they kind of save his ass. And the relationship between Big Daddy and Hit Girl is so gorgeous. I love, deservedly so, this made a complete overnight star out of Chloe Moretz. Oh, yeah. Deservedly so. Like, there was a a different young female star who was right on the cusp of maybe making it big. And she had been cast, and then her parents read the script and were like, (laughs) no, she can't do this movie. There's so much cursing in it. Oh, my God. And they pulled her. When we need you, we'll we'll shine a light in the sky. It's in the shape of a giant cock. (laughs) And uh, that young woman doesn't do movies anymore. And Chloe Grace Moretz's star continues to rise because she's awesome. Although there is a quote um, that apparently she stated in an interview, if I ever uttered one word that I said in Kick-Ass, I would be grounded for years. (laughs) So even though she said these words out loud on film... She refused to refer to the film when in casual conversation as kick-ass. She would call it kick-butt. Well, I think that's changed now because she's no longer at home with parents. That's true. She, but she was she was so young. The yeah. studio was freaking out. Like you need to make kick. You need to make Hit Girl older or cut her from the film. Matthew Vaughn, the director, because he couldn't get a studio to just fucking sign on. He financed it. At a dinner party himself. He financed Mm -hmm. it independently, filmed the movie, and then sold it back to the studios for more than what he was originally asking them to finance him for. Like, I asked you for $10 You wouldn't give it to me. I've made the film. Now you can buy it for 15 goddamn million motherfuckers. Suck my dick. I'm I'm picking random numbers out of the yeah. air. Oh, listeners. and it became Just, a massive hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this movie, fucking watch how much fun Nicolas Cage is having as Big Daddy, and how much fun he's having with Chloe Grace Moretz. Their oh, relationship. Yeah. I mean, the I like the scene kid with the bulletproof vest. Yeah, I like I like the kid playing Kick Ass just fine. I like Kick Ass. A lot. I love Christopher Mintz Plass. Like, I got to talk to him after the film, and I was just like, I love you so much. But the reason you watch this goddamn film is Chloe Grace Moretz and Nicolas Cage. Yes. Just fucking watch it. It's so great. <laughs> and and I, the sequel may be a little bit less so because Mark Millar had more creative control on that, and he's a repugnant writer who I hate his stuff. But I like this, this movie a lot. Yeah, me 
it's a good I, movie. I haven't seen the sequel. I admit it. it well, the original comic, even of Kickass, just especially with the Big Daddy Hit Girl relationship, went in some really dark areas that it yeah, didn't. Yeah, actually, need to. there's a lot of um, quotes here on IMDb about how even the comic creator was like, actually, I think the movie did a better job with Big Daddy than what was in the comic. Because it, it literally scrubbed the entire origin story that he wrote, where, yeah, it involves kidnapping and brainwashing and stuff. And yeah. It, like, it was pretty fucking awful. Big Daddy's a lot more sympathetic in the movie. Yeah. According to Matthew Vaughn, Cage started acting out his lines the way as Adam West during the first costume fitting. And <laughs> Matthew Vaughn was happy for Cage to continue with this performance in the film. Citing his irritation with the gravelly-voiced Christian Bale used in The Dark Knight. I, I just love there's that scene of him suiting up where it's just Cage at a mirror putting on makeup. Yes. Yes. And I'm like, you oh. just know that every single shooting day of Ghost Rider's Spirits of Vengeance <laughs> had that same scene where he's painting on the skull makeup. <laughs> Yeah, I'm imagining that right now, and it makes me so happy. The credits Just painting give... it on, doing some faces at the camera. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> the, okay, if we don't know this, listeners, during um, Ghost Rider, they were going to uh, CGI in the actual skull effects afterwards, but Nicolas Cage, whenever he had to be in full-on Ghost Rider-like persona, would go ahead and do his own damned makeup so he could... <laughs> Feel the part more. Yeah, he'd come like out of his trailer face, looking yeah. like Santo. And specifically for Ghost Rider 2, because in Ghost Rider 1, it was just a stuntman that did all that. And, and Cage is like, when they when they offered him part 2, he's like, no, I'm doing it this way. Yeah, he did his own body acting for, for there has Ghost to be, Rider. They should have just put out a cut of the film where it is just that. Oh, yeah. An entire cut. Oh, yeah. It would be so watchable. I'd watch the shit out of that. <laughs> yes. They were talking about putting that on one of the DVDs, and I thought they had at one point. But well, you can, you, There are some snippets. Yeah. And if you go searching online, you can actually find clips of Nicolas Cage in his Santo makeup yeah. <laughs> acting. <laughs> okay. One last fun fact about Kick-Ass. Yes. The credits give descriptive names to um, a lot of the mafia goons. Five of these goons are listed as posh, scary, sporty, <laughs> ginger, and baby. Of course. <laughs> Five of the mafia goons were Spice Girls. <laughs> and they I were and they at one point in the 90s were the stars of a film called Goon World. <laughs> Thank you, Noel. Who's next? Oh, I believe that would be me. And I believe I will mention the movie Snake Eyes. Oh, yes. 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 So 1998, we have Brian De Palma. Yes. Uh, <laughs> like you do. Uh, making this movie that's a... Uh, Nicolas Cage plays kind of this uh, skeezy detective, police detective. You know, he's... That's a full-on noir, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, it, it is a full-on noir. He's kind, he's kind of skeezy, though. He's, uh, you know, um, shaking down criminals and all that fun stuff. But he's in this big uh, boxing arena in Atlantic City. And um, basically everybody there is trapped by a hurricane during a boxing match. 
And during this kind of big lock-in at the arena, um, this whole murder assassination goes down. Mm-hmm. And then there's this whole unraveling of the conspiracy while being in the doors. And um <laughs> in the doors? In in the doors. In inside of the doors. And <laughs> <laughs> I talk good. I talk good. Uh but it's Brian De Palma basically doing like a limited uh limited area film. And the entire it, film is in real time. The entire film's in real time. The first 20 minutes <gasps> oh. or so are a single shot. Or it's it's that kind of rope thing where it's disguised as a single shot. Yeah, yeah. it's it's disguised as a single shot, but it's really And the entire really film well was intended to be that way. But logistically, you couldn't do it, so I'm like, let's just open it that way. Oh, yeah. And it's just these big, long, dizzying shots. You know, it's not just um, the opening shot. There's also a long one where they're in the hotel by the casino and following people through the hotel rooms. Mm-hmm. And it's just magnificent, just dazzling Brian De Palma-ness everywhere. And Gary Sinise. Yes. <laughs> So it's it's Gary Sinise and Nicolas Cage are, are buddies, and Gary Sinise is this decorated war hero, and he's somehow in related to this assassination that has happened in the boxing arena, and um, there's this whole thing with you know one of the boxers is involved in it, and it. it, it it's fascinating watching all the characters get yeah, set up tied and with, you know, you should throw a fight. So it's like, there's so many noir elements. Oh yeah. And you see scenes cross over each other. Like you, you kind of see how cage is going in one direction in one scene and you understand later what he was walking past. Um, yeah. Fascinating. Really fascinating. Yeah. And like, speaking of like the, the elaborate thing is even though he didn't keep the whole one shot, there are a lot of those really long sweeping shots. Like there's a scene with the boxer where the boxer starts telling backstory and within a single shot, we go over to the mirror where the other story and go into the mirror where the story is playing out. Mm-hmm. So it's like he cuts to a flashback within the same shot within the same scene. Yeah, it's fantastic. And it's, like, it's just, oh. And I remember there was also another shot where he's like hiding in a hotel room and someone's chasing after him. And the camera just goes up over the hotel room. And we just go from room to room to room to what are the scenes, the just the everyday scenes playing out in these Vegas hotel rooms as this one guy's walking down a corridor trying to find which room someone's in. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful. I, I think I think that is De Palma's best film of the 90s. I agree with that. I, and it... Now, to be fair, it uh, it does suffer from a lot of the problems that most Brian De Palma movies suffer from, which is like, for all of the dazzling touches that Brian De Palma, the dazzling stylistic touches that uh, Brian De Palma mm-hmm. puts on a movie, does it amount to much at the end? Eh. But uh, it's well, so fun watching him get there. <laughs> I love that the hurricane actually ends up playing a part in the climax. Yeah, yeah, you me know, too. And then you got that great shot of as the credits play over you're gradually pushing in on a concrete pillar and then you see the ring of someone who was thrown into concrete mm-hmm. at the very end of the credits mm-hmm. as this new casino is being built literally on the bones of the people who died in the last casino yeah it's pretty amazing ah <sighs> De Palma 
Yeah, I remember hearing about it when it first came out. And it just kind of came and went, which made me sad. I did see it when it first came out because my dad and I had gone to see Mission Impossible together. And he was introducing me to a lot of De Palma. Oh, it's De Palma. Yay. And so we went and saw this one. And it did bomb, but I, I remember enjoying it then. And I'm a big fan of the writer David Kep. Uh, the next one is, this is this is one of the other pleasant surprises. This isn't a fantastic movie, but I really enjoyed it. I think of the direct-to-video current period of Nicolas Cage that we've been through, this was probably my favorite of them. It's called Stolen. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's a really great thriller. It had a great style and energy to it. It's directed by Simon West, who also did Con Air. And it's, Nicolas Cage is a guy who was part of this big bank robbery. It, it, it went wrong. He got busted. He got arrested, but they could never find where he hid the money. And so they were never able to fully book him on charges because they could never show that he actually had the money that was stolen from this bank. And he ultimately ends up getting released a few years later. Well, one of his old partners who ended up maimed during the whole robbery and ended up getting away without getting arrested wants the money and has just been building this kind of rage that he never got to have all this money that he sold out for. And so he kidnaps Nicolas Cage's daughter and was like, you have to go dig out the money. The thing is, Nicolas Cage didn't hide the money, he burned the money. So there is no money to get. So he has to team up with his old partners to try to steal new money to pay off the kidnapper <laughs> while also dealing with the cop who there's a cop who's on his tail because he's like as soon as we let him out he's gonna go get that money we need to watch him and it's just it's really snappy it's really fun it has a, it has a good sense of humor the guy who kidnaps is played by josh lucas who just is the sleaziest cab driver <laughs> he really is and and it just it has some really great sequences like um when the daughter is kidnapped and is thrown in the back trunk of the of the guy's cab. There's this great scene where she just starts digging through the back seat and mm -hmm. just starts tearing this back seat apart and digging through it. And she sees that there's a cell phone sitting on the back seat, and she just has this one tiny little hole in the back seat. And so she's just trying to stick her finger out far enough from that hole in the back seat to just dial nine one one while this guy is driving around in the cab in front of her. It's just a really well built sequence. And, and there's this great thing where uh, in order to steal money, they go to a gold reserve and just decide, let's cut a small hole in the floor of the vault, stick a massive blowtorch up and just melt all the gold inside. And it'll just melt down into these buckets of water and we'll just pull out the cool, the, the cooling off uh, now molten ore. <laughs> and it was, it, it was just, it was a really well put together film and, and it's, it, it's not, overly dark the whole kidnapping of the daughter is actually played well because she actually gets to you know still be involved in, in in escaping from this guy and i i thought it was really well done malin ackerman and danny houston are in there and were really good i, I just i just thought it was a really nice movie and i i, I was just kind of ashamed that that one never got a theatrical release yeah it's I, fun I it could have played in theaters it's fun it really is and i i wasn't you know like you i wasn't expecting much at all from it and it's like oh oh, oh well, this is unexpectedly seen, fun we had seen this one after we had seen rage and seeking justice yeah it's so like our oh, expectations were about as low as they could be <laughs> and then we saw this one and it's like we were expecting it as that as it opened up to just go that route and it kept surprising us and it's like there's nothing particularly groundbreaking in it there's nothing particularly fantastic but it's just a really good solid you know if it's on tv catch it if it's on netflix give it a watch 
it's definitely a good one. Yeah, you know, and, and I'm always a, a fan of, you know, daughter is kidnapped, but, you know, she's not exactly helpless. Yeah. You know, she's not just this thing being carted around, being kidnapped, you know, this, she, mm-hmm. her character actually does, um, she's pretty clever, you know, she tries oh, to yeah. get herself out of the situation pretty I mean, well. Cause, cause, yeah, because she was trapped in that trunk for a long time, but she kept looking around, what's in the environment, what can I do with it, well, can I dig to the back seat? That doesn't work can I start using the wires of the back headlights to kind of do little signal flashes mm-hmm. as we pass cops? You know, there, there were just some really nice things of her taking action. Mm-hmm. Nice. And it also never went to creep her out with him kidnapping her. They, right. I like that they played the bad guy kind of more for less. Mm-hmm. It was a really good movie. Yeah, it's nice when you don't automatically rape a woman. Yes. I like that part. <laughs> and again, we had just watched Rage and Seeking Justice where that happened. Uh Ugh. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna take control. My last film I'm going to speak about is I'm sorry, it's a classic. It's part of his magnificent trilogy. It's Face Off. <laughs> I, oh god, I can't, yeah, that's real. I yes. cannot I cannot not talk about this film. Face it's off. Face <laughs> off. I like, adore Face Off so much. The trilogy, listeners, is The Rock, Con Air, Face Off. They came out in that order, and they were a one, two, three fucking motherfucking punch of Nicolas Cage awesomeness. And Face Off, I really think, like, just, it was, in all senses of the word, the climax of that trilogy. It just... (laughs) boom exploded it just what and you just sort of laid back and went with it and then you fell asleep afterwards and you didn't want to think about it too hard the next morning no it's so just so satisfying i can't it, ah. it is the potent combination of nicholas cage john travolta and john fucking woo and how do you top how do you top nicholas cage have John Travolta play Nicolas Cage. Yes. Have Nicolas Cage play John Travolta. Yeah. That's what I fucking love. This is, I mentioned earlier, like, he's a better actor than we really give him credit for because mm-hmm. for his ridiculous, and this movie is fucking ridiculous. Let's just really be clear about that. For as ridiculous as this movie is, there is something so heartbroken in his eyes when he is John Travolta playing Nicolas Cage and he's having to pretend to be a psychopathic motherfucker who will just hurt people because it's fun. And when Mm -hmm. he realizes he just needs to hurt people to establish his bona fides, the look on his face is so broken mm-hmm. yeah. and that's where you're like you know what this is a ridiculous movie but that man is a fucking top-notch actor because he conveys yes. it so beautifully and it's and i mean john travolta is so much fun he's having oh, so much fun being a skeezy sleazy john travolta who's just and they like both, they both get their own peaches <laughs> oh god yes <laughs> We should have counted how many times we saw Peaches mentioned in Nicolas Cage movies, because there are a lot of them. Oh, sweet Jesus, yeah. So many Peaches. That should be the sequel to The Box. There's a peach in the box. If you have <laughs> never seen this film, listeners, the the concept is that um, Nicolas Cage is an incredibly bad, bad guy, and, jo- and um, John Travolta is an incredibly good, good guy, and he tracks down terrorist... Uh, 
Nick Cage, who has left a bomb somewhere, but when he tracks him down and he as goes a to a, and he's good at any, and in the process of apprehending him, they wound him. He goes into a coma from which he is never supposed to recover. So the only way, the only way they can find out where the hell this bomb is, is if John Travolta goes undercover as Nick Cage. We have the technology to turn you into him. We can take his face off. (laughs) (laughs) And do other body sculpting because BT dubs John Travolta is at least 100 pounds heavier. And I think a couple of inches shorter, but we'll not talk about that. Um, and also, let's talk about the skeletal framework, because Nick Cage is all leg. But leaving all that aside, <laughs> so John Travolta puts on Nicolas Cage's face and goes undercover to talk to his, to Nicolas Cage's twin brother. They are named Castor and Pollux. And for those of you who are Greek mythology nerds like myself, it will just make you so very, very happy <laughs> that they are named Castor and Pollux, because yes... They are twins. It's so great. It's so great. It's also got um, Pleasantville Lady in it. I'm blanking on her name. Yeah, Joan Allen. Joan Allen. Thank you. Joan Allen. She's such a great actress. She's fantastic. She sells this fucking movie. And when she realizes that her husband is not her husband, the look of absolute horror on her face. Oh, yeah. John Travolta. Uh, teaching his quote-unquote daughter how to use a butterfly knife. Uh-huh. Yes. I, yes. I love John Travolta in that movie so much because, you know, while Cage is great playing Travolta, Travolta is fantastic playing Cage. Yes. <laughs> yes. Because oh, it's- Travolta just goes for it. But I love that it's not just Travolta going off the wall. It is Travolta perfectly mimicking Cage going off the wall. Oh, yeah. He studied Cage. He goes full Cage. Yes. Many times. So great. It's so great. Okay. The only thing this movie is missing is Peter Stamari. <laughs> I think if it contained Peter Stamari, my head would that explode. That might be too much. That might be too much. That might be too much Tabasco. <laughs> no, it could never be too much Tabasco. Though I want a direct-to-video sequel to Face Off where it's Peter Stamari and David Keith. I'm sorry, Keith David. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes. I'm going to go oh. undercover as Keith David to avoid a terrorist Imagine Keith attack. David having to do a Peter Stamari impersonation and Peter Stamari having to do a Keith David impersonation. Can we have that movie with Keith David and David Keith? <laughs> that might be too far. And also David Keith's not that interesting. Aww. No, he really he really isn't. I'm, I agree with Noel on that. Fun facts. Uh, Nicholas Cage turned down the role of Castor Troy originally because he didn't want to play a villain, but once he was told he would actually be playing the hero for the majority of the film, he was in. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, uh, brief moment of trivia. The blood types of the two of them are briefly mentioned, and here this is true. Um, Nick Cage, the villain, Castor Troy, his blood type is... A, 
be positive, which is the universal recipient blood type. Meaning if you're AB positive, you can accept any other blood type. Mm -hmm. It will go fine with yours. Meanwhile, the blood type of John Travolta's character, the good guy, is O negative, which is the universal donor. So as the cop, he is somebody who is fundamentally there to help you. And as the bad guy, Nick Cage is fundamentally there to just take what you got. You gotta fucking love that shit. Oh, and um, the studio wanted John Woo to take the slash out of the title, face slash off, but he kept it in to make sure nobody thought it was a hockey movie. (laughs) (laughs) At least they just didn't put a number in the middle. (laughs) Shut up. I love that movie. (laughs) So that's face off, listeners. Just, yes, just yes. Yes, yes. That's a movie that just affirms. Just yes. Yes, and just, I want And if this. you can do a triple feature night, The oh, Rock, yeah. Con Air, and Face Off. Yes, do that. It's so great. So, Noel, you know what my movie is, and I know what your movie is. Which one should we end on? Let's end on yours, because that's a more positive note. Okay positive really but i don't know that much about birdie so go ahead and i'll talk no, about no. birdie well, that i'm birdie is not a film that i'd know that i don't know if i recommend it but, <laughs> but because i kind of hated it but it was also just a really brilliant and fascinating prank that was played on its audience <laughs> oh okay so yeah so it's it's but, a remarkable yeah. film the the um performances in it are amazing yeah, and, and it's Alan Parker, fresh off of Pink Floyd's The Wall. Mm-hmm. And the the film is, is, is it post-Korea or post-Vietnam? It's post-Vietnam. It's post-Vietnam, where Nicolas Cage is a wounded war hero. And this was the film where Nicolas Cage surgically had teeth removed from his head just so he could have the appearance of someone missing teeth. Mm-hmm. And he, his friend. What? Yeah, no, no yes. I'm not no. kidding. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and so it's. shit up. And so he comes back and he goes to visit an asylum where his friend, uh, who's played by Matthew Modine, who's named Birdie. And Birdie thinks that he is a bird. Mm-hmm. And he has taken on all the mannerisms of a bird. He won't speak. He, he just acts like a bird. And we basically flash back from their, like, childhood, teen years, college years as this relationship builds between the, the two of them. And we see Birdie developing this fascination, this obsession with birds to like, he like builds himself a bird suit and jumps off of roofs. It goes horribly wrong. He, he has this bird that he takes in and builds this giant cage for under his bed. There is, I am not exaggerating, basically a sex scene between Matthew Modine and a bird. Like a canary. Not actual pen- <laughs> not actually penetrate, but, you know, it's just he goes into the cage naked and it's just loving shots of the bird, you know, rubbing its wings over him, <laughs> him like kissing. The, it, it, it's played like a sex scene. Mm-hmm. OK, hold on. I'm going to take a sh- I'm going to take a picture of my face right now and send it to Melissa. So she's got that for <laughs> yes. later. I have so many screenshots he- like that. And so this is building up to this entire climax where Nicolas Cage decides, I am going to free my friend from this institution. And in so doing, as they're being chased by guards, they get up to the roof and Birdie spreads his arms and jumps off the roof. 
And Nicolas Cage is like, no, it's all been billing to this. Why didn't I see this? And he runs over to the ledge. And Birdie is standing on another ledge just five feet down as he turns to look at Nicolas Cage and goes, what? Cut to black. <laughs> Are you shitting me? <laughs> Not kidding. It's it's like we're, we're expecting this entire film to build to him jumping off of a building. And he does, but he just jumped down to another ledge. Literally turns, looks at Nicolas Cage, who's sitting there aghast as we are, and just he literally just goes, what? <laughs> and cut to black. And it is the biggest prank of a movie I have ever seen. It is like <laughs> it is like hearing the joke of the aristocrats of that long build, it, and then the aristocrats. It's a very serious film. It is. And that's the thing. It's a, it's a very serious film, and it's very serious in that early 80s sort of way. Because, mm-hmm. um, it, it, you know, in the early 80s, we were just starting to kind of grasp at vietnam and uh um so it it's it's kind of grasping at that and uh, like i said the the performances are magnificent yeah but um <laughs> whether you're not on board for that or not yeah, the, and, and the we ending like, is so bizarre and we were like this is an interesting art movie but we aren't all that into it it's just kind of uh yeah, we can see where this is going and then that ending hit and we were all just like, what the fuck just happened? We were screaming. Fess was in the other room like, what just happened? We, we rewound the film and rewatched the ending again because we couldn't believe that that was the ending of the movie. Yes. <laughs> and, and then like, what has just become a part of our nomenclature? Yeah. <laughs> yep. That was a, we've gotten so much mileage out of Birdie. <laughs> well, the only thing you can do with a film like that is really just adopt it, make it your own and twist it to your own use. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and, truly. And it's like I've kind of ruined the film for everyone by telling them how it ends because it's one of those things that you kind of need to experience, but it also needs to catch you completely unawares. I don't need to watch it, though, do I? No, no, because I've already told you how it ends. Uh, thank it's not you. worth it. <laughs> it's not thank a joke you. worth going into if you already know what's going to happen. <laughs> it, it's something that just kind of needs to catch you in the moment on off guard. And it's such an obscure movie that that's not going to happen for many people. I'm glad it happened to us as a group. <laughs> so you had somebody was... there to support you. The, oh my god, that ending! The, the thing is, though, I mean the 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 movie builds this friendship between the two main characters very well. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's kind of this coming of age story, you know, really quite yeah, good it's in not a lot a bad of ways. Movie. It's just yeah. kind of dry. Yeah, it's it's very dry, but. It is good. And it does have weird scenes like Matthew Modine building a bird suit and jumping off of buildings. Oh, yeah. You know. And the love scene between him and the bird was like, Shut up. I don't want to hear. They are seriously doing this. Don't. don't, uh. Uh, Melissa, finish us off. Ooh, I said that. Feathers. A poof of feathers. (laughs) My final film. My final film is Lord of War. Yes. yes. Excellent. Yes. So I had never seen Lord of War until this project. I really wasn't even aware that it existed, but... I had, I knew I had nothing... Because I was a fan of, of the writer. Oh, yeah. It, it's... Uh, okay, so 2005, uh, it's Nicolas Cage and Ethan Hawke and Jared Leto. So right there, that mm. should be major selling points. Um, it's directed by uh, Andrew Nichol, who also did stuff like Gattaca, you know, so and he wrote the good. Truman Show. Yeah, and the Truman Show. 
And this is a, it's kind of based on a true story. It's based on an actual guy. But Nicolas Cage is playing an arms dealer who, you know, like the first half of the movie is Nicolas Cage describing his business, basically. Mm-hmm. And um, the the film is kind of bright and I... I, I hesitate. It's a montage to, movie. Yeah, it, it, yeah, because he's telling a lot of the stuff in flashback. He's explaining his life and and things that have happened to him, and eventually he starts um, being changed by an Interpol agent, and he starts coming to terms with like the morality of what he's doing and kind of questioning if he's doing the right thing. But it kind of goes through this whole chain of ways that he. Um, justifies to himself what he's doing but the the film is so well directed um i mean it's very well written too but andrew nickel did both but the is so well directed there's this magnificent opening shot where um isn't it a montage just following a bullet from creation to yeah yeah it's the life cycle of a bullet bullet. so it's from you know being made in the factory being packaged being sent somewhere you know going along with these uh illegally sold yeah and going from hand to hand to hand and finally being shot and then it ends with nicholas cage just standing in a field of bullets like just with thousands and thousands of brass casings around him and um and it's and that's how the movie starts it's got that whole that verve throughout and it's just fantastic well in his opening monologue he talks about how many guns there are in the world and when you divide that up that's one gun for every 12 people which means um and i i forget the exact actual quote the actual quote he's like which means i asked the question how do I get to the other 11? <laughs> yes. And you're just like, oh, shit. Now we're in for it. Yeah. And, and it's a smart script. I mean, I mean, even what you're describing there, I mean, the, the way the script boils it down for you and the way it presents its information is just so interesting and so well written. It is such a perfect breakdown of what the illegal arms market is. Yeah. What war profiteering is the ethical struggles of you just keep trying to distance yourself from all this stuff that you are making money on. And then it's also the whole family struggle of, you know, his brother keeps trying to join him in the industry, Jared Leto, but he's a screw up and a junkie, but he still loves him. He Mm -hmm. still loves this screw up of a brother. And also then his marriage, he keeps trying to keep his wife and his kid from ever knowing about this life. I think they think he's like an investment banker or something. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just her gradual realization of wh- who it is that she's married to and what this guy's entire world is and the part that he plays in thousands and thousands of deaths every year. And the key moment when she finds out and she's talking to him and she's like, you can't do this. And he's like, yeah, but but what? But I'm good at it. Mm-hmm. And that's the moment that flashes back because it starts with him as this loser in um, Little Odessa in Brighton Beach. And he's like, I was going nowhere. I'm nowhere. I hate this. I want to be something. I want to be somebody. And just the way he delivers that line, I'm good at it, flashes all the way back to the beginning of this young man who just desperately wanted to be successful. 
And this is how he found a way to be successful. And he's not only just making money, he's one of the best. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. really, really good at what he does. Yeah. Nobody else can get these guns through, but he can. It's it's an amazing, it really is an amazing film. Yeah. I watched it last night because you, I knew you guys were going to talk about it. And I found myself just... How did I not know about this movie? I How know, was right? nobody talking about I, it? It bombed. It tanked. It it should have been an amazing thing that put Andrew Nichol on the map. It ended up destroying his career because it bombed so hard. Oh, which is which is it's a tragedy. It's fantastic. It's so good. Oh my god, it's fantastic. And I, I mean, I, I love the portrayal of uh, you know Nicolas Cage going into these countries, um, the where there's all this guerrilla warfare going on, and all of these, um, it, it, they're third world countries. So you land an airplane in the country, and there's one scene where he watches an airplane just being picked apart by yeah. locals because they can harvest it for for metal, and. Wasn't that how yeah. he got away from a warlord? Was land the plane on the street and then just that's how, and then no, just that's leave how it? he got away yeah. from that's how he got away from Interpol. That's how he got away from the Ethan Hawke, the cop character. Yeah. The way every time he outsmarts Ethan Hawke, he is so fucking brilliant. And it really does establish his character as just being really good at what he does. Like mm-hmm. they they are tracked down. He, they're going to have to land. They're going to get caught. He doesn't have the papers for what he's got. He's like, shit, I don't have papers. They're like, they have a gun trained on us. We have got to land. And he's like, no, land on that highway. Land on that highway. Mm-hmm. And they do. And then the, the, the pilots run off. They're like, we don't want to be caught here. And he's like, just stick around five minutes. There won't be any more evidence. Because what he does is simply open the doors. Mm-hmm. Who wants free samples? Mm-hmm. And by the time Interpol shows up, there's nothing there. And then he's just, and that's when, yeah, he's like, and then they just left me to sit there and to watch my plane disappear mm-hmm. because this is, a oh, and the, the actual like crazy Liberian warlord that he's doing business with is so fucking crazy. And yes. that's where the title comes from, which I loved. I loved the twist of language there because the warlord's like, this is going to be a bath of blood. No, you mean bloodbath. You know what? I like it better my way because I am the lord of war. They call me the lord of war. Actually, it's warlord. I like it better my way, except you know what? I think you, you are the actual lord of war. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just so, it's such a smart script. God damn it's it. It's so good. So good. It really is really good. And Nicolas Cage is fantastic in it. Like, how were no Oscar voters made aware of this performance? I don't know. It's, it just went. And, and Jared Leto, who eventually did win an Oscar, he should have been nominated for this because he is good. He's so good in this. And Ethan Hawke doesn't really have enough to do. But, you know, there should be more love for Ethan Hawke in general. Yeah, like mm. just him showing up adds credit. It it's adds true. legitimacy. It's true. Hey, look, it's Ethan Hawke. That guy doesn't do shit. Speaking <laughs> of Andrew Nichol movies that nobody knows about, I just looked it up. He did another film with Ethan Hawke last year where it gets into drone pilots. And Holy Ethan Hawke is a drone pilot struggling with the whole ethics of what this all means. Oh, my I'm God. Like, that, I want to see that movie by the guy who did Lord of War. Well, yeah. It's called Good Kill. Really? I, yeah, I've, I've, I've heard of that. Really? I've heard of that. 
and I that's interesting it, because because I know Andrew Nichol after Lord of War bombed, it took him like another six years to get a movie made. He did that movie in time mm-hmm. with uh, um, what's his name, the dancer Justin Timberlake, which was a pretty perfectly fine movie. You could follow up to Gattaca, and then he did Stephanie Meyer's The Host. <laughs> that's right because he needed the money and i think he did that and used that money to make good kill and i want to see good kill now i think we need to uh arrange a viewing yes yes let's, let's see if that's available yes <laughs> hey, we need something to pair with the peter stamari 90s action movie okay let's do this <laughs> all right well we've kind of uh we finally gotten through our list and we've been recording for like two hours and 20 minutes um should we Really quickly. Just do like a quick speed round of just go through the other titles and quick yay or nay. Yeah. We invited Noel. Did we honestly think anything else was going to happen? I, I love how you guys were like, let's shorten the format. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tried. I, well, we're not going to <laughs> talk about the rest of these, no, no. okay? <laughs> but just, just a quick like okay, speed yer, round. Okay, yay or nay. Okay, so. Uh, Rumblefish? Rumblefish. Um, I like Coppola. Clumsy, but I thought really interesting. Yeah. Also, uh, Nicolas Cage rolls out of bed buck naked. So, you know, hey. Oh, God. We got so much out of that. Yeah. Um, Racing with the Moon. Did we see that one? Yeah, we did. I don't remember it. (laughs) All right. Uh, The Cotton Club, which we didn't watch, but you won. Well, I got it from Dad. Oh, okay. So you haven't seen it either? All right. No. we'll, We'll go past that. Peggy Sue got married. Interesting. Yeah, it was kind of fun. Although uh, Kathleen Turner, um, I do not buy as a teenager. No, it was it was surprisingly trite given the talent involved. Mm-hmm. It was a fun movie, but I just was like, how is this an A list? <laughs> I am. Um, I didn't like it. Mm. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I mean, it's an okay movie, but it's not. Yeah. yeah it's like you, you're destined to make the same mistakes. Mm. Yeah, yeah. How in light, How great. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We did not watch Boy in Blue. The Raising Arizona. Uh, Raising Arizona. Awesome. Classic. Awesome. Absolute classic. Moonstruck. Awesome. Vampire's Kiss. Vampire's Kiss is awesome <laughs> in a, is to- a very totally different way. movie, but it has some amazing stuff in it. I'm a vampire. I'm a vampire. It, it is it, it is like one of the most cagiest cage performances oh God. ever conceived, but it's on a really weird movie that is also a very creepy rapey movie. Oh, but it's still rapey. just incredibly watchable. Yeah. It's so rapey. Very rapey. It is. I mean, it's literally him stalking and harassing a woman up to the point where he rapes her. It, it's, a, it's a horrible story. It's a horrible story. It's just the scenes of Cage acting yeah. are just so weird. Yeah, Cage eating cockroaches, Cage rampaging down the street. Turning his couch into a coffin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Time to Kill. Did we remember Time to Kill? Uh, did we watch it? I think we did. I don't remember that one. Anyway, uh, Firebirds. <laughs> eh. Bland. It was him, Tony yeah. Jones, Sean Young, Air Force pilots. Nah. Yeah. It was, it was like uh, Top Gun wannabe. Hmm. There was an entire plot thread about astigmatism. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Oof. Is that the one where he... Wait, is that the is that the movie where he looks at... He's the wrong eye dominant? Yes. Yeah. Wrong eye oh, dominant gee, because they have that I... whole head heads up display. <laughs> I saw that like to on which we cable were like, switch the eye. <laughs> How hard is this to figure out? Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Wild at Heart, a great David Lynch movie, which I love. It's a David Lynch movie. Yeah, it's very very Lynch, and boy, does Nicolas Cage have plenty yeah. to do. Oh yeah, there's a lot of sex in it. Doesn't that movie open with him beating someone's head open? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> 
Uh, then we've got Zandalee. Speaking of a lot of sex in it. Mm, yeah. Mm. Uh, this was just one of those 90s white man problems. Yeah. Oh, God. Although... Rich they... white people affair... There, there were, there was a big peach scene in that. I remember. There oh was. God! There were peaches. I, I think it was one of Steve Buscemi's early roles as a oh, garbage that's man. That's right. That's right. And then it's, it's literally like him versus Judge Reinhold fighting over a woman. <laughs> and it just got weird at the end where they all go out on a boat together. Yes. And suddenly someone can't swim. I don't know. It got. It was. It was just a very blah. Yeah. Uh, honeymoon in Vegas. Yeah, we talked Lovely. a little bit, but that was fun. Wonderful rom-com. Yep. Amos and Andrew. Mm. I, I think our big consensus with that was it, this was a well-written script that was directed about as flatly as it could be. It was, yeah, it was like a poorly made movie with okay intentions. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a very interesting concept. Him, Sam Jackson, it was just so flatly directed and edited that it just, nothing sold. You'd think a movie that has Nicolas Cage and Samuel L. Jackson handcuffed together would be yeah. better. Oh, we we expected so much going into that. Oh one. God, <sighs> as you should. Then because we... isn't isn't wasn't the DVD menu cover of like the two of them handcuffed running from a cop car? Yeah, it's like we were expecting an action movie instead. It's just a kind of sweet, weird, odd little. Let's just explore race relations and class relations in a neighborhood comedy. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Uh, Deadfall. Horrible movie, but oh my god, is it watchable? <laughs> yes. <laughs> isn't it Nicholas or isn't it uh, one of the couple of kids did it yeah something oh yeah that's right it was Coppola's son wanted to make a movie but he did it on the cheap and Cage said I'll do it if I can play it however I want to oh that's right and he had the weird mustache thing <sighs> and mustache the... wore sunglasses the entire film a big shaky wig was just completely freaking out all the time <sighs> I think that ended he got killed by having his head thrown into a deep fryer <laughs> that's right <laughs> It was just kind of a shady movie because I know that Coppola okay. kid. That Coppola kid, that shows his inexperience because if Nicolas Cage shows up and says, I'll do it, but I get to do it however I want. If you're so inexperienced, you don't know to go, um, wait. <laughs> <laughs> then you deserve what's going to happen to your that career. Is the most, that, that is the most watchable aspect of the movie. True. Oh, there, I'm there's not that, doubting and then that. There's, and then there's a scene where Charlie Sheen shows up as a pool shark. Which is also surprisingly watchable. <laughs> Charlie Sheen is surprisingly watchable. I mean, it's an interestingly conceived noir film that was just made very che cheesily and clumsily. And very cheap. Very cheap movie. Anyway, then we had Red Rock West, which we talked Guarding about. Tess. Gardening oh. Tess, which is great. Marvelous movie. Yeah. Surprisingly heartbreaking and sweet at the same time. Oh, so good. Uh, then it was It Could Happen to You. Trapped in mm -hmm. Paradise, which is awful. Oh, Trapped in Paradise is just, again, it could have been just a kind of sweet thing of like him, Dana Carvey, John Lovitz are all bank robbers who come to a small town to rob the bank, but get caught up in all the small town wonderful holiday shenanigans. And it's just, again, it's so flatly directed that none of the, none of the humor sells. It's period. so bad. That was so one of the most bad. boring watches. And it's Dana Carvey doing an impersonation of Mickey Rourke. Oh, God. For the entire movie. <laughs> No. Why would you do that? I don't know. Yeah, avoid Trapped in Paradise. Kiss of Death. Kiss of Death, good noir film. Yeah, it's Nicolas a... Nicolas Cage bench-pressing a stripper. Yeah, there, that, there's a lot to be said about that scene. <laughs> Nicolas Cage is introduced bench-pressing a stripper. Yeah. Yeah, and it's got David Caruso. David Caruso? Oh. No, it was a good movie. Yeah, it's all right. 
It's all right. It's it's a remake of a classic noir film, but yeah. it's uh and yeah, it's okay, but you know, you do have stripper bench pressing. Yes. That's okay. It, yeah, it's a good film. Uh we talked a little bit about leaving Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Um The Rock, of course, awesome. The Rock is, I think, Michael Bay's best movie. Yeah, and Con Air is awesome. Yes. Uh, Face Off, we talked about. City of Angels, Snake Eyes. 8mm, dark. Eh, it, it's not bad. It's just kind of... Yeah. It, once again, you'd think Nicolas Cage and Peter Stormare in a movie together would be better. Although this is a lot better than Rage. Yeah, and Peter Stormare, is, is, his scenes are incredibly watchable oh, as, yeah. a porn, as an underground porno director. Oh, yeah. And Joaquin Phoenix. Well, that's right. Joaquin Phoenix is so wonderful. We, we just we just wanted Peter Stormare and Joaquin Phoenix to just, like, team up and just walk off to another movie. Well, yeah. And yeah. It's, it's, an okay, it, it's an okay movie. It's interesting how it explores the underground porn. It's the, it's the writer of Seven trying to do to L.A. what he did in New York in Seven. It's just he got a flat director. Mm-hmm. Joel Schumacher. Wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Schumacher's directed good movies. This is just, it's not one, it's not a terrible movie. It's just not one of his better ones. And then we had Bringing Out the Dead, which, which we, we didn't, didn't which we didn't watch for Cage Night, but I own and I really love. It's Martin Scorsese. I haven't seen it. It's dark, 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 yes. dark, 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 dark. Uh, it's a, a Nicholas Plage, Nicholas Plage, Nicholas Plage, Nicholas Cage plays an ambulance driver and he's all uh, insomniac and strung out in drugs to keep himself going. And it's um, basically this... This movie that kind of follows him around the city overnight and all the human drama that he comes in contact with. And mm-hmm. yeah, and it's it's dark, dark, dark. Yeah. I, I But I very much like it because it's Scorsese and it's done very well. And isn't, wasn't that his reunion with Paul Schrader? Yes. After a while? Yes. Uh, Gone in 60 Seconds, which is... Really fun. It's fun. I I have so much more love for the original, but you know Nicolas yeah. Cage is very cagey in this. Plus, you have Christopher Eccleston with hair. Christopher Eccleston with hair, great cast. Uh, it, it, it's a nice proto Fast and Furious. Mm-hmm. Then you have The Family Man. I really enjoy. It, it's a really nice Capra type movie. Mm-hmm. I think it's Brett Ratner's best movie. <laughs> yeah, that's not hard. But it's it, it is legitimately a really sweet holiday movie and cage actually has a really good performance in it tia leone mm-hmm. i i like it Ugh, tia leone <laughs> oh i love tia leone Ugh. the naked truth i love that show <laughs> that girl that girl is so wooden like she's got one aww. facial expression deep impact i'll give you but oh <laughs> oh my god she's terrible in deep impact i can't even Anyway, go ahead, anyway, Melissa. Uh, Captain Corelli's Mandolin, which we did. That was one we were going to, but. Yeah, we couldn't get fun. our hands on it, actually. Uh, that We talked about adaptation. We didn't see Sonny. No. Uh, we did see Wind Talkers. Wind Talkers, John Woo again. Uh, John Woo doing a World War II movie. Um, Everything you would expect it to be. But yeah, pretty much. Uh, although, I mean, the concept is great. You know, he was mm-hmm. making a movie about the, um, you know, the fact that in World War II, um, they had the Navajo code talkers mm-hmm. who, um, so instead of having a code that could potentially be breakable over the radio they just had uh navajo people speaking their language and that was um how they would relay field information to the american troops and the and he has to guard a navajo with also the orders that if you he cannot be captured so you have to be ready to kill him Mm -hmm. 
So it, but it, it's very John Woo. <laughs> it is. And was it Christian Slater was in that too? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, it was good. I mean, it, it's, I, I actually think it's Woo going outside his wheelhouse and doing some good direction. It just, when he then kind of goes into the Woo mode, it gets, it's a little inconsistent, mm-hmm. but it was, it was a good movie. Yeah. And it, it doesn't delve as deeply into the race relations or anything like I would have preferred. Yeah. But anyway, <clears throat> Matchstick Men. I liked. I do too. Good, good con thriller. Yeah, it's a it's a con thriller featuring Nicolas Cage as an OCD guy, and you know that. It's a delightful, lovable con movie. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, uh, and, and um, 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 his partner is uh, Sam Worthington. Sam, uh, Sam, no. Sam, uh, no, you threw me off. Oh, no. what's oh. his name? Oh, oh, uh, oh, oh, uh, guy from Moon. Yeah, that dude. Shit. Oh, Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell. Rockwell. Yes. God, Sam Worthington. Gee, I'm sorry. <laughs> Sam Rockwell's fun <laughs> oh, to watch. Jesus, you're, oh, dude. Yeah, no, that's different. Uh, then we we talked about National Treasure and Lord of mm-hmm. War. The Weatherman. Fucking what? sucks. Oh, that that's what, that is really white people problems. It, it, it is, and it is one of those pretentious. Let's just study the the depression of a, a white guy who's a weatherman, and literally nothing happens in the movie. Nothing happens. Nothing that's set up leads to anything. Nothing changes in the end. It's literally a film of let's just watch this guy struggling at a point in his life that he never gets out of, and it just nothing happens. Oh look, he becomes incredibly successful and feels conflicted about it but doesn't do anything about it and learns nothing about it and now he's incredibly well, he wealthy. incredibly successful it's just it's at a point where his marriage has fallen apart his family has left him he's got job struggles and let's just follow that for an hour and a half and then at the end his marriage has fallen apart his family literally nothing happens yeah yeah I, th- so- I think michael kane is his dad who michael kane is wonderful in that film where he's just like what do you mean what are you talking about what does that mean? Have you heard this slang word? I don't know what that means. What does this mean? <laughs> and that kind of became a recurring gag for us too. Yeah. Like, okay, what does that mean? I'm not sure. <laughs> oh no, Michael Caine had an American accent. What is a, what is a rim job? God. <laughs> what is sexting? And I think these were actual conversations in the movie where he's just, it's just incredulous Michael Caine for his entire role in that movie. Not worth it. Not worth it. No. So next one. Wicker Man. Yay! Not a good movie, but it's a fun movie. It's it's a gloriously terrible movie. No, I no, I shouldn't say that. Um, it is definitely not the original movie. Yeah, no. I, there are, there are things I like about it. I love the matriarchal society that they form for this one. Um, I kind of like the tactic that they were doing there, the kind of leading to a war of the sexes thing, but. Boy, it's a it's a gloriously terrible film, <laughs> and, and it's just it's just Cage off and running. Oh God, yes! I mean, let's just is, stick him in a bear suit and have him run through. He is like driving punch everyone he comes across. He is driving beyond the headlights, man, and the bees, the bees. <laughs> oh my God, I forgot about that. The bees. <laughs> oh wow, oh, Wicker Man. Same year he did World Trade Center. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which we did watch. Um it's, it's Oh my god, I it was we felt so bad at how much we were riffing a movie about We, we were laughing so hard. And it's not a bad movie. It's not a bad movie at all. It, it is I, a pretty bad movie. Um <laughs> It's not terrible, it's just no. it's a boring movie. It's it's not it's not a good movie either. It's it's like a totally mediocre movie that's like five years after uh 
you know, it's 911. paint by numbers. It's paint yeah, by numbers. It is. And, and yeah. it's like, it's so misfocused in that it spends like what, 90 straight minutes just focused on him buried in rubble. Yeah. And doesn't, and the dialogue is awful. Nothing is interesting done story wise. There's literally a scene where he sees Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, but it's um, weird in that it's like it has these little moments, but it just it's it's a film where they just it felt like they had this incredible, I shouldn't say incredible, but this massive subject and they just couldn't figure out how to approach it. Yeah. And they it just felt like an entire film of they just could never quite figure out what they wanted to do with it. It, it feels like a Hallmark TV movie. Yeah. yeah. It's, it, yeah, it's really bland. Yeah. But we boy, did we have fun watching it. <laughs> Oh, it, it was so wrong how much we ripped that movie. It was so movie. wrong. We're going straight we to hell. will not repeat any. Uh, after that, we, did, we talked a little bit about Ghost Rider and mm-hmm. Spirit of Vengeance, and we certainly have touched upon them before well, in the podcast. Well, we, we should also do the Fu Man. He played Fu Manchu in the Grindhouse trailer. Oh, that's true. That's very true. <laughs> Werewolf Woman of the SS. Yes. Um, let's see. National Treasure, Book of Secrets. Mm-hmm. I like the the argument that happened in there The when they're faking the argument, too fake out the guards um we talked about next bangkok dangerous Eh. yeah i know for for a title that great boy i don't remember anything about it (laughs) it's not bad it's just forgettable and kind of boring yeah i remember he's an assassin and a young guy wants to be trained as a new assassin it's a thriller but it's just there there was like a good action there were a couple good action scenes in there like i remember the big climax where he goes down in a massive action scene was actually pretty good, but it's just the film. Eh. Yeah. Very. Yeah. Let's see. We talked about knowing bad Lieutenant port of call New Orleans, which, which I, adore, I still haven't seen, which I adore. We're going to have to catch up with that at some point. It's, it's Werner Herzog being spectacularly weird. Um, Hey, you're skipping G force and Astro boy. Oh, I for I forgot. Uh, eh. uh, kick ass sorcerer's apprentice. You know what? I, really- I, I liked it better than I thought it would. I really enjoyed him. It's it's not it's not well done, nope. but you you will enjoy the process of watching it. Yeah, I think there are parts of it that are very well done. Uh, it, it's just it, the story never fully comes together. I agree, but you're you're never bored. No, it it yeah. it's, it's never boring. I mean, even its sequence. It's were... still two steps below National Treasure in terms of quality. Right. Uh, but I still thought it was really entertaining, and I, I, I thought the visuals were really nice, nicely designed. I thought the cast was great. Alpha Molina as the bad guy was great. Oh yeah, I mm-hmm. mean it's a great cast. And I, I actually really even love the sequence where they recreate the Sorcerer's Apprentice with the brooms and everything. Mm-hmm. I thought it, they did a good job with that. It's not great. Yep. I think the story kind of falls apart the further along it goes, but I still enjoy it. <laughs> uh, then we have Drive Angry, which is awesome. And, it's so good. And, and you guys love that one. I just, I know I'm, you. I'm not a fan of Todd Farmer and, and Patrick Lussier. Oh, that's well, fine. That's, that's their fine. sense of humor is just too crude for me. Well, and we've got the we've got the Butnamathon modifier. We saw True. that in the best possible circumstances. I could see that. Yeah. And the accountant. It has the accountant. I, I just yes. don't like that Todd Farmer writes himself having sex with a naked woman into every single film that he writes. Well, you wouldn't have sex with a clothed woman. Yeah, thank you for saying that, Melissa. That's where I went to. Like, <laughs> what? Wait, what? I you're going to need, you're, ideally, you're gonna need to take at least, some clothes off. Ideally, parts would be naked. 
no no i know but he always writes a big scene of him with who's the who's the fully naked woman that we're going to have in this movie who's the person she's going to have sex with hey todd you wrote the script didn't you oh yeah that yeah, happened yeah. to jason x that happened to my bloody valentine 3d <laughs> that happened here well he literally mm-hmm. does it in every movie well, I suppose it's one of the quote perks. Uh, I know. I just it, drive angry. It wasn't. It wasn't unentertaining, but their style of humor just has a kind of trauma feel to it that just never always jived with me. True. Still, anyway, uh, we've got uh, Ghost Rider: Spirit of Vengeance, which we talked about a little bit. Season of the Witch. <laughs> that was unfortunate. Disappointing. <laughs> that was spectacularly bad. <laughs> I couldn't finish it. Oh. I tried oh. to watch it on Netflix and I turned it off. It's one of those oh. unfortunate films that feels like it should be a lot more entertaining than it is. It really should I, be, and it's I not. I was Ron trying Perlman to was make great. sense of it, and I just couldn't. Well, I know that's also one of those films where they made a movie, and then the producers hired a new director to go in and reshoot like a third of the movie. So it's like, oh, I, I would love to see that original cut. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it just, yeah, it's it's blah. What a mess. <laughs> uh, let's see. We talked about Seeking Justice. We talked... De- Wait. Trespass? Did we, we see... We did not. And that that one I actually think is actually a, a pretty good thriller. That oh, was, again, Joel okay. Schumacher. Oh, that's right. But it was... Uh, it's him, Wait. Nicole Kidman. Oh, that's the, the yeah, kidnapping one. Yeah, we just one. did that one. Yeah, that's what... We just saw that. It's that's a home right. invasion kidnap story. Yeah. I, it's not eh. fantastic, but I also didn't think it was that bad. It had some nice twists. Yeah, it wasn't god awful, but it wasn't great either. I also love Nicolas Cage's performance in that, where he just he he just has this kind of this kind of nebus voice the entire time. And, <laughs> yeah, because he's an accountant, and this is how accountants sound. It was weird. <laughs> okay. Did we see Stolen? Oh, we we yeah, talked I, about Stolen. That was one of yeah. my featured ones. Uh, we did not see Joe. Which we should, no. should probably see. And we talked about Frozen Ground. We did not see Left Behind. I feel like we maybe should have. I don't know if I can bring myself to watch Left Behind, though. Well, I feel like this is, um, as I said, there are 13 films by Nick Cage on Netflix. Left Behind is one of them. There's Trespass. Uh, there's The Runner. The Runner? Uh, the Runner. Oh, I don't know anything about it. There's Outcast. Um... Films that you said you should avoid that are on Netflix, don't watch Seeking Justice, Kiss of Death, Rage, or The Weatherman. However, you can catch- Kiss of Death we gave a good prop to. Oh, okay. Sorry. Uh, Films that you can watch on Netflix that that have been given the thumbs up are Snake Eyes, National Treasure, Next, Stolen, and Lord of War. You can also watch Left Behind on Netflix- for free. I haven't done it yet. I haven't had enough alcohol in the house. <laughs> I kind of want to. Oh, God. Sweet Jesus, save me. Oh, how meta. Did you guys look at what Nicolas Cage's upcoming films are? No. Oh, no. He is going to be in Snowden, which is Oliver Stone directing the story of Edward Stor- Snowden starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Oh, my God. Oh, okay. Well. And Nicolas Cage is in it. He doesn't oh. say who, but... Well, he might be the reporter. It's already Phil. It's in post-production. It comes out in May. Interesting. Yeah, but nobody went to see um, The Walk with Joseph Gordon-Levitt doing Man on Wire. I mean, like, seriously, that came out like nobody's business. I, I wanted to, just to see the 3D effect of it. But, yeah. yeah. I wanted to see the film, but on as small of a screen as I could manage. 
<laughs> well, then you can wait till uh, video. <laughs> exactly. Oh, and he's also going to be in the movie about the Indianapolis story. Oh my God! Really? Directed by Mario Van Peebles. Oh, what? That's starring, also director. Starring Nicolas Cage, Tom Sizemore, and Thomas Jane. <laughs> It is a direct-to-video movie. Oh, yes, it is. (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, Oh, and he's going to be in Dog Eat Dog, a thriller directed by Paul Schrader. Wait, is that? Edward Bunker. Oh, 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 got it, got it. Okay. And And he's going to star in a film called Army of One, where the plot synopsis is an American civilian sets out on his own to find and kill Osama bin Laden. What? <laughs> starring him and starring him, Rain Wilson and Russell Brand. What? <laughs> well, oh my God, you broke me. I'm broken now. What? <sighs> and the trust, a pair of cops investigating a drug invasion, stumble upon a mysterious bank vault. Starring him and Elijah Wood. What? <laughs> I have got to ask Elijah yes. about that. So but it's Nicholas Cage playing a cop named Jim Stone and Elijah Wood playing a cop named David Waters. So they are Stone and Waters. What? <laughs> okay, so Wendy, when we see Elijah next, we need to ask him about this. What we the really hell is do. this? I seriously want to know about this. <laughs> And that's all of them. I have no more to go through. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, and they're all coming out in the next week. <laughs> Suffice it to say, within within, within a couple of years, we're going to have some fun catch-up work to do. Oh, yes. <laughs> we might have to do some Nicolas Cage films in between every other movie night just to keep abreast of Nicolas Cage. Whenever we Cage. built up a surplus of Cage. <laughs> oh, my God. The, the Cage pool is growing. We've got to, we've got to drain it. Like... Like some sort of infection. It needs to be drained. Or it's, we a, need to, it's a reservoir. It's a it's reservoir. A, oh, I just saw it. He just had a film directed by Paul Schrader that just came out called Dying of the Light. <laughs> it just came out 20 seconds ago. <laughs> kind of. Probably. Oh, my God. And he, he just did a film called The Runner, which is a dramatization of the BP oil spill. Yeah, that's what's on Netflix. What? Okay. Yeah, that just came out, too. <laughs> It just came out in August. <laughs> Wait, have you? Uh, what do I want to say about Nick Cage? Have you looked at the cover artwork for the Left Behind movie? Because <laughs> the look on his face, the look on his face, he's center and he's got his head cocked and he's sort of looking at you like, what the actual fuck is this movie about? What? Really, we're gonna do this, and but the world is exploding behind him. Ah, oh, dudes, like that. Yeah, that, that is Nick that Cage. is it. That that is the core of Cage for you. Yes, right there. <laughs> I will make this goddamn movie. I will star in this movie, and even I don't even know what this movie is about. I'm in love with you, Nick Cage. Right there, can't handle it. For me, it's the face gesture from Face Off. The <laughs> the face. You, off. Well, the, well, well, that one where I want to take his face off, um, you know, and, and the the extrusion of face out into the air in front of you, but also the reaching out to the loved ones and go, 
<laughs> like just <laughs> mashing their nose into their face. Just sort of trying to, like, like they're covered in pudding and you're trying to wipe it all off in one gesture. Yeah, like, it's kind of a face bleh. squeegee. A face squeegee. <laughs> yes, that's it. Well, I, love that, I love that he had that kind of whimsical, let's float the face away. Mm-hmm. And then you had the other guy who's like, let's yank it off like a vacuum. Yes. <laughs> that off. was Nick Cassavetes, right? Nick Cassavetes, <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah, one one, uh, one gesture is like releasing a dove. Like uh, just releasing a he dove. That he was imitating John Woo in that. Yeah, and yeah. and Nick Cassavetes is like Pinocchio. Like like he, he starts at the nose and then, and then closes his fingers as he extrudes away from the nose. Like gesturing a pointy nose. It's all that. That it, it, that's just the world of the Nicolas movie. Cage. Just watch yeah. the movie because it's so great. Yeah. <laughs> I had to take cocaine. I had to take cocaine so I didn't blow my cover. <laughs> Noel, what does Nicolas Cage mean to you? Well, just one second. I am texting. I am sending in the text feature of Skype a picture of the Indianapolis poster. Oh, Jesus. Oh. Just look at his expression there. That is him looking back in his last decade of films. The poster, what it reminds me of. Do you remember the cartoon, the 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 uh, newspaper cartoon Red Meat? Yes. One yes. of the very first ones that was ever made <laughs> by Max Cannon um, is the, the priest looking character just staring for the first panel and just staring at you for the second panel and the third panel it's the exact same expression and over his shoulder there's a flaming skull my favorite one that's my favorite red meat cartoon ever and in the third panel the only thing that's different from the other panels is the word balloon is it still there <laughs> and that is what the Indian Indianapolis poster reminds me of. Yeah. You've got directed Nicholas by Cage, Mario Van Peters. Nicholas Cage staring out at you with the <laughs> carnage behind him. And, and it's like, is it still there? Look at the sideburns. Yeah, it's just And the and the, the thoughtful, deeply dramatic scowl. Yeah. Yes. 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 And the hair the hairpiece. I think we can I, all agree that's a hairpiece. I'm I mean, pretty Nicholas sure it is. Cage to me is, I do not think he is a fantastic actor, but he is a fantastically committed actor. Mm -hmm. And you see a series of filmmakers who some know how to harness that and others who are deeply confused by it. <laughs> and I, I don't think he's a bad actor, but I just, I think he's one of those ones who is so oddly specific in certain ways that if you pair him up with the right role the right material the right director it is going to be just incredibly watchable it is incredibly mesmerizingly watchable and if you pair him up with the wrong material it is incredibly memor memorably unwatchable <laughs> memorably unwatchable and yet he's huh. also one of those ones who, who you can see his on-off switch. Because there are moments when he, he, he has that kind of Bruce Banner quality mm -hmm. of where he's just kind of quiet. He's unassuming. You don't think much of him. You don't expect anything. And yet every single film, every single film we've watched has at least one moment. There are some films where he's on the entire movie. But you have even ones where he's just kind of quiet, just kind of unassuming. And then he just cages out. <laughs> Cage unleash. <laughs> you don't want to see me unleashed. 
<laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's like we'll have an entire film. But oh, I we mean, do. We even do. The, yeah. even I the love weatherman, him. <laughs> even the weatherman, as awful and as boring and shitty as it was, would just have this scene where suddenly the eyes shoot up and he just suddenly just starts shouting and tearing into things and just going nuts. <laughs> I cannot wait to see him do that in Indianapolis and just start wailing on a shark. <laughs> Okay, so finally, we've gotten through this all. Yay! Yay! So, Wendy, do you have a recommendation? I do. I do. Mm. Um, mm. So, uh, with the last Nick Cage episode, whenever it aired, I recommended Hamilton the Musical, which is a hip-hop musical. It's not just hip-hop. Those of you who are like, I don't like rap and hip-hop, shut your whore mouth and listen to it. <laughs> but um, but because that got me to thinking, what, the other, what I would like to recommend right now is... Um, straight out of Compton. I feel like everybody was talking about it and everybody knew it was good, but it it kind of disappeared pretty fast. And maybe if you're not a huge cinephile, you missed it. So I want to bring it back up to the top of your list and say, you really fucking need to see this film. It is a biopic about the early days of gangster rap with, um, ice. is it Ice Cube or Ice Tea? Oh shit, I'm so sorry. I can never keep my eyes straight. I think it's Ice Cube. Um, but it is. It doesn't, um, it, doesn't it have his son playing him? Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. it does. And he looks a lot like him. Like you're like, holy shit, that kid is so much like him. Oh. And um, it's the NWA. It's the early days of the NWA, like how they made it big, how they toured. Um, you know, it's all the usual shit, like their manager takes advantage of them and the group has trouble staying together once they get famous, like in all sorts of personality conflicts. It's not a surprising story. It's all of the tropes are there, but all of the tropes are there because those tropes are real. And that's really honestly what happens to young punks from the street who street who've grown up poor who suddenly get rich this is what they do this mm -hmm. is this is what actually happens and it's fascinating and it's eye-opening and like if you are over um 15 years old you should fucking watch this movie right and i say that because if you're over 15 years old, then this this music was hugely influential in in what was going on in your life, whether you realized it or not. Like, I didn't listen to hip-hop, and yet this music was influencing all of the pop music I was listening to. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so I'm not a huge fan of gangster rap, really. And yet I found myself watching the film and then being like, shit, I feel like I need to go seek out some of this music. These people are amazingly talented. Oh, and, yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah, far more legitimate than you even realized. Because it's really easy to discount, oh, just oh, fucking gangsters and they're just, yeah, whatever. No, the talent on display, because this movie does a really good job of highlighting the talent that it takes to do this. Mm -hmm. So I, you really, you really just go fucking watch it. It's going to be up for an Oscar. If it isn't, it's a fucking crime. So straight out of Compton, F seek it out, find it, watch it. That's my recommendation. Yo, I didn't have a recommendation until you mentioned 
the movie because um i was i was totally i was totally going to cop out i was totally going to cop out and i was going to recommend avocados because avocados are great but um (laughs) but now that you've talked about straight out of compton i've got a movie that kind of branches off of that uh there was a documentary a couple years ago like 2012 2013 called something from nothing the art of rap Oh, and it's a movie made by Ice T, and he goes around to a bunch of rappers, and the the documentary is a little bit about the history of rap, but it it's also kind of this display of how talented these guys are and how they can um, you know come up with rhymes at the top of their head, how they write this stuff, where their inspiration comes from, and uh, it it's just a fascinating look. Uh, into rap and like the the real art of it the uh you know getting the rhythms and the the rhymes and the you know sincerity of the writing and um you know coming up with this music Mm -hmm. so it's it gets down to the 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 nuts and bolts of it all it's really interesting does it go into the origins in the beat poetry movement Oh yeah, a little bit, if I remember right. It it doesn't I, I it's more interested in putting people on display. There's there's not if I remember it's been a couple of years since I've seen it. If I remember right, there's not like an overarching like narration that explains everything, but it's more like a per, a personal history capturing okay. verbal history of all these people who have been you know, working in rap all these years and uh, kind of asking how they make their art. It's really good. It's really good stuff. Okay. Yeah. So, Noel, what do you have? Well, since you had the confusion over Ice Cube and Ice-T, Wendy, I'm going to go with an Ice-T film. Huh? <laughs> a, a 1997 Albert Pune movie. Oh, my. Starring Christopher Lambert, Ice-T, and Deborah Van Valkenburg. Good God. <laughs> It is a film called Mean Guns. <laughs> okay, so Albert Pune is kind of infamous for the majority of his films either feature a cyborg or kickboxing, both in the films and in the title, including films about cyborg kickboxers. <laughs> <laughs> he also did the, he, he literally did the film Cyborg. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, he, <laughs> Did he also do Alien from L.A.? He did Alien from L.A. <laughs> he did my favorite Andrew Dice Clay movie, Brain Smasher, A Love Story. I love that you've seen enough Andrew Dice Clay movies to have a favorite. <laughs> I, I, ha- I had a friend who was deep into Andrew Dice Clay. I That's a, that's a topic for a whole other show. That's what she said. Or two, given that it's you. I actually did record an episode on that. Go check out my old show, Monthly Midnight Movie Exchange. We did an episode on the adventures of Ford Fairlane. I get into it there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. So, Mean Guns. Mean Guns is another predecessor to the whole Hunger Games Battle Royale thing, where it's Ice-T is a crime lord who is disappointed in his employees and he knows that there's some rats in the organization so he gathers everyone who works for him a hundred people into an abandoned prison and says i am going to lock the doors and when i unlock the doors tomorrow whoever's left alive the one person who's left alive let me emphasize the one person who's left alive 
gets to come out free. And by the way, here's crates and crates of guns that he literally just pours on everybody <laughs> and then leaves. <laughs> and so it's just all these hitmen and drug dealers and everyone just suddenly turning on each other for an entire battle royale type 90s action movie extravaganza. Christopher Lambert is a hitman whose seven-year-old daughter is waiting in the car in the parking lot. <laughs> and he's like, I just need to get back to drive her home. <laughs> oh, and God. It, it's just, it, it is exactly what it's what the pitch is. There's no deeper meaning to it. No deeper thing. It's just a whole bunch of gangsters trapped in a prison told, you all have to kill each other. Who's going to be the last person alive? <laughs> Who then has Amazing. a final showdown with Ice T? <laughs> and for some reason, all I can think about is all of the paintball episodes from Community. No, that is that is it. And it is a film that has a great sense of humor. Albert Pune is he makes low budget schlock, but he does stuff that has an interesting flair to it. Like Alien from L.A. is a horrible movie, but it's a f interesting. It has a great visual design to it. If you can handle listening to Kathy Ireland. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> no Wendy you have no idea I just ever... loved, I, loved, I loved Noel's oh god <laughs> I, yeah that is that is not one of his better movies and of course he's famous for he directed the Captain America film oh. in, in 1990 oh yeah that one the not good one the really no. not really no. not good starring, one starring the son of J.D. Salinger oh <laughs> But yes, but yes, Mean Guns is just, oh it is just a fun 90s time. <laughs> okay. Um, Melissa, I don't know if you heard me, but Something From Nothing is on Netflix right now. Oh, excellent. I just added it to my queue. Yes, excellent. I did. Nerd. Hey, mean Guns uh, is on Amazon Prime. Okay, I do have Amazon Prime. I feel like I'm going to watch something from nothing sooner than I'm going to watch that. No, I'll just be honest. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm queuing up Mean Guns. <laughs> All right, so we should wrap this up so we can go to bed because, dear God, it's late. Oh, I should say one other trivia thing about Mean Guns. He could not afford any ammunition, so there is no actual gunfire in the entire action movie. Oh my god, that's amazing. He just he just used white frame edits. Noel, Noel, Melissa needs to go to bed. Do yes. not wet <laughs> so her do appetite I. I need to get up at seven film. to go to work too. <laughs> if you keep talking about this, she's going to be excited and stay up watching it. So now if this Shh. movie had starred Nicolas Cage <laughs> I'm being cruel now. Go ahead to bed. Yes, you are. Okay. Oh, thank you listeners for surviving with us. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. By this point, it's, you probably have crazy eyes like Nicolas Cage do, does too. Because we totally do. Yeah. My Skype recording is currently at three hours and 33 minutes. I'm Same not looking here. Yes. Same here. Oh, no. Yes, it is. Hmm. Yes, yes, and I have to edit it all. Thank you, everybody. Uh, so thank you for joining us on Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. I have been Melissa, and this has been... Oh, Wendy, somebody... Wendy I've been drinking. What? <laughs> and we have been joined once again... By Noel. Noel and more Noel, and here's some more Noel. <laughs> oh my God, Noel, you are a modifier. Like, take a topic and expand it. Noel... 
<laughs> no. 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 So, so as anyway. an update to my Kurosawa episode, no. <laughs> <laughs> He's dead. <laughs> Pardon me while I snore some more. <laughs> <sighs> I find this fascinating. I, okay, this has been the like the fourth time I've tried to close this episode, guys. <laughs> Please, I want to go to bed. I love you, Melissa. Good night. Good night. Good night, Wendy. Good night. Good night, night listeners. Good, Good night, night, listeners. Good, Good night, John Boy. Good night. <sighs> Thank you for joining us in the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Our theme song was written by Tim Wick and Jeffrey Brown and recorded and mastered by Chad Dutton. New episodes arrive every Thursday. You can find us on iTunes and on Stitcher. You can also visit us at XanaduCinema.com, follow us on Twitter at Xanadu Cinema, and like us on Facebook at Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Okay, okay, go away, go away, go away. Okay. All right. Stop. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> I am stopping recording now. Okay. Love you. Bye.